When crisis strikes, organisations face a battle of survival under intense scrutiny. How they are judged depends on the performance of individuals and teams huddled in war rooms, working to provide a coherent response under maximum pressure. In Crisis Talks, I aim to capture the insights of people who have responded to a crisis and their stories of leadership, courage and resilience in the face of extreme adversity. Their lessons will help us all be better prepared to preempt and respond proactively and with confidence. My name is Grant Chisnell and this is Crisis Talks. So today I'm interviewing Matthew Gill, who's presently the Managing Director and CEO of White Rock Minerals. Matthew, thanks very much for coming and joining us today for Crisis Talks. No problem, Grant. My pleasure. And thanks for having me in your home. So uh, we had a great night last night. Uh, too good. Too good. So <laughs> today we're uh, today we're going to take a take a bit of a chance to really reflect back on 2006 and the Bingsfield Mine disaster. I think a lot of people are, are really familiar with the story of uh, Todd Russell and Brant Webb and their survival in those horrific conditions. Uh, but people aren't really familiar with the story that went on behind the scenes and, and the rescue effort that you and your team led that uh, ultimately led to their survival. So, so today's really a chance to tell your story about that incident and about, uh, about the stories of leadership and resilience and, and in, in the face of some really extreme adversity. So really appreciate you joining us for Crisis Talks today. Yeah, no, look, my pleasure. I, I uh, uh, like the opportunity to explain to people a lot about what went on. Mm. You know, you touched on it. A lot of people forget that, you know, an employee died mm. uh, in Larry Knight. So I always feel there's, a, you know, trying to bring, bring some balance, mm. you know, to that, literally that life and death. But also, you know, the 200 odd people that were behind the scene to get the two guys out. And, mm. you know, some of the lessons learned from that, hopefully people will get some benefit from. Well, I saw you talk at the New South Wales Mine Safety Conference about, I think it was about 10 years ago now, and um, everyone in the room was just dead silent when you could have heard a pin drop when, when you were speaking through your presentation. So that certainly inspired me, and, and we've, we know the lessons that we talk about with a lot of our clients around crisis management. Some of those things that you said that day really, really rung true. So we're going to explore those today, and we're going to start taking it back to the 25th of April, Anzac Day on 2006. What was happening that day for you? So from, from memory, we'd just been... So we've got a shack in Tassie. We'd just been on holiday. Yeah. And we were making a long weekend of it because it was a Tuesday. Yeah. And so we were back, I think, the night before. Uh, and I actually went to work. So we lived in Launceston, so it was a half-hour drive up the Tamar Valley to Beaconsfield. Yeah. And I remember going to... Uh, work that morning, so about six a.m. in the, in the on the Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. and and driving past the dawn service, yeah, uh, you know, and to catch up on some work, went back home. I actually don't remember; it might have been a footy game. I think there's a the Essendon, not Carlton. No, 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 no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I might have watched the. It would have been Essendon versus Collingwood. On, yeah, on the classic Kansas yeah. day. Um, probably watched that. Uh, yeah, and, and you know who who would who would know that I'd be back, you know that night. Yeah. Mm. 
What was the first sort of signs of something going wrong that night? So for me, I still remember I took the mobile call. I, it was yeah, a bit after. Uh, it was it was before ten o'clock, so it was mm. within a half an hour of of the actual event. Um, yeah. As it turned out, I think I was getting ready for bed. I still remember taking the call. Mm. Um, from, and who, 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 was, who made that call? So from? that was our occupational health and safety advisor, Rex Johnson. So yeah. we have a emergency response, you know, call out procedure. Yep. That if there's an event underground, um, you know, either the employee or the shift supervisor rings through. So it's a shaft. So Beacon's Hill's a shaft access mine. Yep. So emergency response, the, the call is to the winder driver. Yep. Uh, who has on his wall, you know, a series of duty cards. Yep. Uh, and a, and a call out procedure. So he he just grabbed that, and there's a list of phone numbers that he needs to ring. Okay. Uh, one of them's the safety officer Rex, yep. um, underground manager. Uh, and then each of those has a duty, you know, whether it's me, whether it's police or ambulance. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that's one one point that uh, you need to have that so you don't have to think yeah. when it does happen because the adrenaline, you know, there's a, a process to go through so mm-hmm. that at least if you've had an incident, you don't make a bad incident worse by being unprepared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you receive that call... What did they say to you at that time? Ah, uh, so... Or is this it, where the adrenaline just kicked in? So, away? look, it's interesting when I look back on it, mm. how much my brain may have filled in or recreated yeah. as opposed to what actually happened. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it was along the lines of, you know, Matthew's been incident mine, you need to get to the mine site. Yeah. And that, I'm pretty sure, was all that Rex said. Mm. Um, I do remember, and... and uh, I do remember then the drive yeah. um, and pulling over to ring Pat Ball, who was, you know, the underground manager, uh, asking, you know, did he know any more? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's true and it's captured on the, you know, there was a movie made mm. uh, where an ambulance overtook me. Mm. And, and that was when I was on the phone to Pat and I said, oh, it's not a drill, is it? And he said, no, it's not a drill. Not a drill. Yeah. yeah. So that... Uh that call happened, you make, uh, you move straight in, and I presume you go into an incident management room or a control yeah, room? Yeah, so by the time I... So the, the, so the event was a, a, a mining-induced seismic event. Yeah. You know, so it was a rockfall, but it was a mini-earthquake. Mini-earthquake, you know, It yeah. was a 2.1 Richter scale. Okay. About 50 metres from where the guys were. Right. Um, so, so that was a bit before 9.30. I got there... Um, and the half hour drive, probably about, you know, a bit after 10. Mm. Um, so within the hour, and by the time I got there, uh, the supervisor, so I went down to the brace mm. and uh, the police were already there. Yeah. Um, and we can come back to that. The ambulance was already there that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shift boss um, had got, you know, the crews back to the crib room and, okay. and there were three unaccounted for and that was... A tag board check between underground tag board and the and the surface tag board. Okay. Uh, so um, I so I went down to the person at the braces to find out what's going on, and then I went back to my office mm. and I opened my emergency procedures manual. Yep. And I went to the page that I knew I had to do. Yep. You know, um, my boss, lawyer, you know, mines inspector. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of that again was that I didn't have to try and think. Mm. what to do or who to do it was already there because you can mm. imagine in the moment yeah you know adrenaline worry you know whatever's going through your head mm. so again having just a checklist mm. at least got 
you know, off to a, a solid start of whatever then you had to do. Yeah, and we, we converted our meeting room into the crisis management room. Okay. Um, the police became involved, as you were saying there a second ago. So they were, um, what was their involvement at this stage? Are they a controlling function or a coordination function or what's their role? Yeah, in that, and that's a really good question. So um, they were basically there as an advisor. And yep. they, so Paul Reynolds, Inspector Reynolds, was um, uh, extremely helpful, and I'll come to that. So uh, the mine site stayed under the control of the mine management. Okay, yeah. Um, so they became a part of the the group, but they in no way directed, mm-hmm. and and it was always under the control of the mine. It only then may pass to the police if there's a fatality and it becomes a scene. Yes. Uh, and the coroner is involved. So until, you know, that point, the police don't have a role on a mine site. Mm other than to assist and advise. Uh, and, and Inspector Reynolds was um, extremely helpful. So he'd been involved in the Port Arthur massacre. Okay. He was the regional inspector um, for that part of Tassie. Right, okay. Um, he barracked for Collingwood, which wasn't the best attribute. Mm. Um, but he, uh, for instance, so when we were... Does he know that you live in Magpie now, though? No, unfortunately, he's, he, he's, he's not alive today. <laughs> oh, but, really? Uh, he would get a kick out of knowing that. Yeah, Certainly. Yeah, you know, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've got a team now that's starting to form. And what was the sort of first starting point to that briefing that you... Yeah, had? so we had an emergency operations con- control group, EACG structure. Yep. Um, you know, with uh, that team, which was myself and my department heads. Uh, and then we had functions under that, you know, so security and, mm-hmm. and comms and mm-hmm. families and, and what have you. So, yeah. you know, that discipline structure, mm. uh, again, really important mm. so that each knew, you know, what they had to do. Do you remember how many duty cards you had? Uh, yeah, so there would have been, you know, um, you know, up, upwards of 10. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. For the different the different parts that we needed to cover off. Yeah. Um, so I had the, you know, the uh, heads of department mm. there. Uh, Mines Rescue were called out. We had two fully trained seven-man Mines Rescue teams. From within your own yeah. organisation. Yeah. So, so a volunteer-based group. Yeah. yeah, so, you yeah. know, and they'd been trained using New South Wales Mines Rescue. Yes, yeah. Um, Southern Mines Rescue. So, you know, I had the full breathing apparatus. Yeah. So we'd, we'd called them. And Pat Bull, our manager, I think had been underground. And he came back up and basically... You know, within that first two hours, briefed uh, the team the about situation. what he knew, mm. and you know, in the boardroom, so he sketched. He and we became very visual mm. about what was going on. So you know, sketched, um, you know, the, the 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 long section of where the guys were, what he'd yep. seen, yeah, um, and and we started to make notes there, and then you know, on the on the whiteboard mm. um, about what the observations were. We always talk about that as being part of a, a situational awareness and, and building that awareness of what's happening around the whole incident. Um, those visual aids become so important in, in any of these sort of events. How, how important were they for you guys in, in giving everyone a clear picture on what's going down below? Yeah, it looked really important. I mean, we were in APCO, so the walls were magnetic. Yep. Um, and so we got those magnetic clips. Yeah. And so we had bits of paper on magnetic clips, you know, wall to wall, wall to wall, on four walls. Yeah. Um, and that, that was invaluable. We had two whiteboards yep. in there. 
Uh, you know, we got a computer in there pretty quickly. You know, we had, well, we had the phones, you know, mm. we had a projector. Yep. So, you know, we're taking photographs. Yep. Uh, and then we could, you know, put them up mm. uh, in the control room because, you know, the incident happened 925 metres vertically mm. underground, you know, kilometre right. underground. Yeah. Um, so the logistics of, you know, trying to work out what's going on, mm. um, both visually, yep. um, but also then, you know, controlling that, that scene. So there were lots of... Um, components to it that maybe aren't your normal, certainly mm. aren't your normal surface rescue no. scenario where maybe you've got line of sight of what's going on. Yeah, this is a really important one, I think, you know, w- that we sort of really stress upon people in leadership roles in these sort of circumstances. How important is it for you and for leaders to set a, a clear mission or objective early on? And what does that actually mean? And what did it mean in your circumstances? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we didn't think like that at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I still remember in the breezeway, um, you know, within that first few hours, Inspector Reynolds saying, you know, asking me, well, what's the plan? Mm. Exactly to your question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about trying to enunciate it as simply out loud. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I explained the scenario and he said, well, it sounds like, you, you know, your, your objective is to access the site safely. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, because there were, you know, been a rockfall, it was still mm. unsafe. You don't want to go and put, you know, people at risk by, by going into where the guys were last known. Mm. So we wrote that on the whiteboard, you know, access the site safely. Brilliant. Uh, and that became, that became, until we knew the status of the guys, mm. that was a simple objective. Um but we at that stage hadn't thought, you know, obviously, you know, people in crisis management mm. um, think like that and they hence your question. Mm. But, you know, you know, we were accountants and mining engineers and geologists. So, mm. you know, for, for the inspector to tease that out of us yeah. is the sort of guiding hand um, that, that Paul Reynolds provided mm. um, along with some of the initial media stuff which, which I'm sure we'll, we'll cover in due course but so that was the great role of, of you know the inspector at that stage was to help uh, observe and guide and encourage. Brilliant. Yeah. So just reflecting back now for yourself at that point in time you're established you're activated a team um, you've 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 got some situational awareness around what's occurred. Um, was there any point in that time when you're thinking, like you said before, I'm a, a geologist, an engineer, accountant, what was going through your own mind and what you were doing at that stage and, and how did you sort of start to emerge through that as part of the as part of your own response to it all? Yeah, I don't remember a lot of peripheral thinking time. Mm. Um I just, pardon the pun, you know, it was almost tunnel visioned. I, yep. I actually, you know, and, and because it stretched over such a long time, you know, people say, how did you do it for so long? And, and all I can say is that the brain, I think, actually shut down a whole lot of peripheral stuff yep. and went into this sort of, you know, single objective. Mm. I mean, I'm not that emotionally intelligent to be able to stop myself thinking about stuff. <laughs> I think the brain just did it to look yeah. after me. Yeah. To be serious. I, yeah. I don't know to this day. Um, so, you know, it was just with the, the team, mm. you know, fundamentally we were all, you know, with the same objective, yep. you know, uh, and focused on that. And we, we just went about going, okay, well, this is what happened. You know, we've got three guys missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't just walk in there. 
um, you know, the machine that they were working on was completely covered in rock. You know, mm -hmm. So it was a couple hundred tons of rock yep. on top of the machine. Yep. Um, so how do we get to where they were last known? Okay, well, the only way to do that um, using the team's, you know, contributions and mm. discussion was, was to get a remote loader yep. um, to to uh, dig its way back dig in. Dig its way back in. And, and so we just said about, you know, that was, that was plan A. Okay, so plan A was... Um, moving back in there. So I think I was watching back the, the 10 year uh, coverage by Channel 9 and and I noted at that stage that there was a, uh, a question that they'd raised about whether you guys thought they were all dead from the outset. Was that? So again, another really good question. So uh, Inspector Reynolds, who, you know, you, 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 you can't, uh, I can't emphasise enough the importance of having, you know, a good team, but not being precious about letting others in. Yeah. You know, whether it's the police or the emergency response or, or ambulance, um, because they train and know, mm. you know, we, we're trained to run a mine, not, mm. not to do this stuff. Yeah. And one of the, you know, again, in that first night, one of the comments from, from the inspector was, you know, choice of word, you know, mm. and he said it's a, it's a rescue, not a recovery. Yeah. Um, because you can imagine if you're talking about a recovery, even if you didn't actually mean that, it implies... It implies, yeah. that, ..that the people are dead, whereas until you know what the status is, it is a rescue. So, mm. you know, that, that again, was a very important focus for the team, that mm. it was a, you know, we were conducting a rescue and until we knew otherwise... Yeah. Um, ..that's exactly what it was, yeah. Mm. Few hours in, uh, so we're looking at overnight, really. So we're looking sort of around midnightish sort of time frames on that uh, on that first day. Did you establish a rotation at that point in time, or did you really work all the way through initially and and then start to work it out from there? Yeah. So we didn't <coughs> obviously know then that it would go for fourteen days. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, I I ended up being there all through that night and all through the following day. Yeah. Uh, and I think my team did. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we had to get this, you know, the equipment from the other side of Tasmania. Okay. Um, so it was going to take time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was for the remote. Um, yeah. Yeah, the remote. Uh, I'm not sure at what point, because there was a mutual aid with the other yep. rescue, you know, with the other rescue teams and the other mines. Yeah. I can't actually recall when we made that call to get them in as well and activated yep. um, but uh, we didn't take too long to do that but no the, certainly the first uh, 24 hours you know we thought and you would normally think that a scenario would would you know play out in you know a day or so you yeah wouldn't it so it took us probably for two to three days before we realized this was going to go on for a long time and drop yeah. roster yeah but you know, the first forty-eight hours, it was it was um, all hands. Yeah, course. and the adrenaline just you know kept you going. But it does. Yeah. It didn't realise it's going to go on for a long time. We needed to give ourselves the break mm. so that we're not fatigued mm. or tired, grumpy, and then start making bad decisions. Mm. Mm. The, the the mine itself is really, really close, obviously, to the town. It's really in the centre of town, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So the mine's underneath the town. Underneath correct? the town. Mm. With. Uh, with that proximity, how quick was it for families and others to start to become involved early, um, and particularly the families of the, the people who were missing at that stage? Yes, so Larry Knight's partner was in Launceston, mm -hmm. and um, 
from memory, we sent one of our guys to her house so rather okay. than a phone call. So yeah. that personal touch was very important. Yeah. And we made a <laughs> commitment as it unfolded to make sure that if we had any news that we would tell the families first yeah. rather than the media first. Mm. Um, and Brandt and Todd's family were variously in Beaconsfield and just up the road from memory at Beauty Point. So, uh, and most pe- many people felt the seismic event on yeah. at half past nine yeah. in, in any event. So, yeah, so um, uh, the other very important part of the call out was the council. Yeah, um, who were just across the road, and they oh, the local council. Yeah. yeah, and we'd only just actually take them underground. I think a week or two before, mm-hmm. uh, and so they opened up the community hall okay. again. I'm not sure that wasn't in the first day, but but as things unfolded, um, you know, they became a great place for the locals mm. um, to go to, rather than you know come onto the mine site or just stand at the gate wanting there was a congregating area mm. where they could you know get a cup of tea and what have you and that worked really well and that was an initiative of the council um how were, how well prepared were you for the the level of stakeholder interest and um you know with the both the community obviously living you know right on top of the mine um and the wider interest that started to emerge you know how well prepared were you for those so I still remember the first media conference. So okay. the local uh, newspaper and TV, you know, were there in the morning. Yeah. And, and again... That was on the Wednesday morning, yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah. And again, Inspector Reynolds, um, you know, helped me draft, mm. you know. Um, so just, you know, the facts, I, you know, I read it, you know, yep. very important. Yeah. Don't try and wing it. Yeah. Or make it up, or think you can remember it. So there's no no shame in reading. But who was doing your media? So we were we were deficient in that space, and, yep. I, and I'll come back to that. So yep. lots of things we didn't have in place, or were yep. ready for, or did right. Yeah. Um, but within so this is within you know twelve hours of mm. happening. early morning. Mm. Uh, we didn't have a media relations, media management person. Uh, the mine at that stage was in administration. Yeah. So even though I was the site GM. I didn't have a CEO or a chairman. I uh, didn't have an, H- an off-site HR department. Yeah. Didn't have a board. I reported to an insolvency practitioner based in Perth. Right. So, whilst for me down, we you know we had a fully functional mine with department heads and what have you. There was no corporate support okay. above me, so that was one issue. Yeah. Um, which which left stakeholder engagement a bit of a challenge. Mm. Obviously, we had a hands full. Yeah, you know, with the incident, um, with the rescue, yeah, yeah, we didn't have a media relations group. We ended up for a tiny while having a guy out of Sydney, okay, uh, but he just created far more stress for me than was necessary. We ended up getting a guy up from Hobart, Mike okay. Lester, yeah, and Mike ended up being there for the full fourteen days, and we right. stay in touch now. So yeah. that was lucky that we found a a guy that was recommended. Mm. Um, but that first, that first. Um, media conference uh, was with the help of the, the police until Mike had arrived. And, uh, and had you ever done a presentation like that or, or fronted or, or practised that sort of scenario? So in uh, the job before I was at Beaconsfield, I was with Western Mining and yeah. we actually did do, and I was a department head there, we actually did do a two-day media okay. uh, management course Great. where... Um, you know, they had ex ex uh, interviewers or TV people, mm. and you know, me and my my peers were were run through, 
you know, and practiced and then yeah. in camera. Yeah. Um, so it was all artificial, but there was a bit of a, a practice run. So we had some idea about the basics, you know, and it was simply, as I said, you know, write it down three points. Yeah. You know, that's what I was telling you, know, keep it to three points. Yeah. Um, and decide beforehand whether you're going to answer any questions or yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, and I learned fairly quickly, there's no shame if you don't know something you don't know. Mm. A lot of people get asked a question and feel that. And feel they, they have to fill the void by saying something or, or it's, it's you know maybe slightly off or maybe wrong. And I've got a good example of where I did say something wrong. Yeah. Uh, luckily, it didn't have a, you know, a negative impact. But yeah. um, if you don't know, no shame. It's far better to say I don't know. Yeah. Than than either you know try and try and make something up or make mm. it sound like you do know because you should know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a common mistake. But mm. equally, a lot of people aren't really prepared or haven't haven't been through those circumstances themselves mm. or practiced that before. Mm. And, and I think the other thing was, you know, even though great, great team around me, you know, it's a classic case of, you know, don't ask someone to do something you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself. Mm. And, you know, each had a role and, and in some ways, it, you know, we didn't have a, we didn't have a planned media mm. person within our team. I mm. mean, it sort of does fall to the, you know, the guy at the front. The senior person. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. And, yeah. and I think that's that's the way it probably should be. And I think yeah. the media probably respected that and responded to that. So mm. rather than sticking, a, you know, a, an investor relations or a corporate advisory person in front of them, yeah. you know, they, they, and I mean this with respect, you know, they got mm. the organ grinder, not the chipmunk. <laughs> well, and and yeah, I yeah. think, you know, so they were getting it as direct as they yeah. could rather yeah. than through a third party I think and I think that what what that brings though too is a level of authenticity and credibility around the response, which certainly did come through, um, and we saw that also actually interestingly with Pike River a few years later. So the the they had different heads talking at different points in time based on their level of experience or what their technical role was within the rescue. So mm. so I think it does work really effectively when you have people that are, have a real credible presence and mm. understand what's going on mm. presenting. So, mm. which clearly that was for you in this case. Yeah, so that was, you know, and so then during that Wednesday, um, yeah, the, there's a, still only a small media uh, contingent. Mm. I'm pretty sure by then we had mobilised at least the, um, the other... Uh, Mines Rescue teams from yep. within Tassie, and we were accessing the site safely. So yep. the front end loader was doing its bit, clearing the rubble um, to get as close to the machine where the guys were last known. So mm. I still remember going home at the end of um, Wednesday. Mm. Um, you know, we still didn't know the fate of the three. No, and that was a pretty hard call. Yeah, um, but you know, we and the team realised that. You're not going to be much help to anyone if, even if you think you're doing the right thing by staying there yeah. right through. Yeah. You know, forty-eight hours, no sleep. No. Uh, and then if you've got to make decisions. Yeah. You know, and you may think you're fine, but mm. you're you're probably tired, impaired. Yeah. Uh, and so, keeping it in balance mm. was a really important part because we had that with a lot of the guys. They they felt they the best thing they could do to help was to be there. Be and we were saying no. The best thing you can do if you've done your twelve hours is go home. Go home. You know, try and get a bit of rest so that you know your their best 
contribution to, to the effort was to come back then, mm. you know, as fresh as you could be, but rather than having stayed on site and be tired and hungry and, mm. yeah. Plan A was about accessing the, you know, accessing the site using the remote vehicle. Yeah. Um, was there any other plans that you started to um, work in currently? Yeah, we did again. I can't remember at what stage in those early days, but we certainly went through. So, um, again, I'm, I, I'd have to go back through my notes cause, and, and, I, and I would take notes. I mean, yeah. that was an important thing. I ended up taking about 80 pages. Yeah. Of, of notes, but we certainly had on the whiteboard. Did you reflect back on them yourself during the incident? Was that what they were per- the purpose of them, uh, or was it more just a, a log? It was it was a log, and and so within twenty four hours we had you know the company's lawyers there, yeah. and, and so part of part of it was that, but part of it's just that's what I that's what I do. Yeah. Um, but we certainly did have alternatives. Uh, you know, at that stage. Um, uh, you know, there's a there's a way of you know we could have reground supported you know put mm-hmm. put um, ground support back into the into the tunnel that had collapsed, mm-hmm. but that's a long, long slow process. Okay. Um, you know, we could have um, reaccessed by the way the old timers used to do it with great big timbers. Yep. Um, you know, there was probably discussion about you know sneaking in and. S- you know, but we didn't know the state of the guys. Yeah, didn't know. You, did you know that they were in there? You, so you we, exactly so the where shifts, they were last. We knew exactly where they were because their job was to build a barricade. Okay. Uh, to a surveyed mm-hmm. location. Yeah. Um, so we know exactly where they were from our survey plans. Yeah. Uh, and the shift supervisor had only been there five minutes beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know we had a pretty good idea. Mm. Um, couldn't get to the machine from the behind, from behind because it had all collapsed. Okay. And in front of them was where they were building this barricade. Mm. Uh, was a great big open hole. Okay. So we couldn't cut. We couldn't get at it from the front, and yep. because it was in a tunnel, you, you know, solid rock on either side. Yeah. So the only way, the quickest way to where they were was was this remote loader. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I mean. From a perspective for anyone that's been above, uh, that's never been below ground. Sorry, I mean, how much? What was the distance roughly that you were looking at having to clear to access there? Yeah, so I was about from memory about forty or fifty meters. From yep. memory, there was a light vehicle in mm-hmm. the way, so the, I think the loader had to get that out of the way. Yeah, um, and this remote loader is so the guy, the operator <coughs> is in a is around the corner, around around the corner in, yeah, in a safe area. Yeah, and and it's just like a. You know, an Atari video game, yeah, um, with a with a um, with a camera on it. Or so, Xbox for the young ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say show my age. Um, so that's that's what was remote about it. Yeah, and it was in the course. So that was day two. Yeah, uh, and I think it was on day three. So we'd got. So we were working away to the back line. It was during the third day that we we recovered the body of Larry Knight. Yeah. Uh, as it, as it turned out, he he was in. So the the guys were in a basket, mm-hmm. two of them, Todd and Brant were in a basket mm-hmm. on the end of a telescope telehandler. Yep. Um, cherry picker, if you yep. like. And Larry was the operator, mm-hmm. and he had got out of the cabin to go and get some gear. Mm. Uh, and so he was on his way out when the event occurred, and okay. then he got caught in. Okay. You know, out in the drive, obviously had heart attack, but but couldn't you know. Um, 
So I, you know, I still remember, you know, when uh, um, you know that call came through. Yeah. Uh, so they came from underground. The call, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's then when the police stepped up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, we we stopped. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we had to do body identification. Yeah. Uh, the coroner came to site, you know, yep. it completely changed, mm-hmm. all crystallised if people had, you know, um, concerns, you know, coming back to that first media. So, you know, Inspector Reynolds said the words were, you know, grave fears for the safety of the three. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't say it's a recovery and you, no. don't, you don't say you fear they're dead. No, you're the, right. The words are, you know, grave fear. The, mm. So whenever I hear that now yeah. on TV, you know, if, if, if people have gone missing in the bush or out at sea, you know, yeah. grave fears for the safety of the three mm. or two. or you know. mm. um, So that sort of confirmed a lot of some people's probably worst, worst yeah. fears at that stage. And that was on the Thursday. Okay. Um, what was the um, the call comes through to the incident control room? Um, how did the feeling or the emotion or anything sort of change at that point? Yeah, I don't. Again, you know, am I recreating how I think I would have mm. felt? I mean, mm. I don't. Um, I don't recall other than probably that sort of gut wrenching mm. um, realization that you know. Whether either subconsciously, you know, your worst fears, yeah, um, you know, and if one has died, potentially the others, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we we finished the rest of Thursday, mm-hmm. um, you know, got got to the end, got to the back of the machine, mm-hmm. um, and realised that the whole machine was was under rock, yeah, and so the front end loader couldn't do any more, yeah. And we couldn't pull the machine out because mm. it is a rescue, yeah. and the two guys were last known to be in the basket. Yeah. And if you try and move a machine that's got a couple hundred tons of rock on it, it's going to fall more. Exactly. So uh, that that caused us um, to seize Plan A. Okay. Um, from memory, on the th- on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. Might have even been, no, I think, yeah, I'd have to check when I was, you know, I was around in those first few days mm-hmm. um, and still working to the mantra, yep. you know, that Inspector Reynolds, you know, yep. access the site safely, yep. we, we then revisited. Yep. And and the safest way to access the site was to mine a new tunnel. Yeah. Okay. Because that's, that's in our control. Mm. You know, you blast, your grant support, you blast, your grant support. Yeah. Um, and that tunnel we started... Um, I think on the Thursday. Okay. Um, so again, you know, then we had a plan. Mm. Um, Just at that point, so um, the Larry had been identified at that stage. What with the coronial process and everything that happened there when you stopped? Did, did, how much? What was the sense? Was there a sense of urgency about continuing the rescue despite the process that had to happen there? And sort of how long did it take? You know, can you recall how long it took for for those processes to be followed through? Um, um, and did that sort of create any urgency or, or sense of urgency for you as well, uh, or conflict around the group? So certainly that sort of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we still didn't know. Yeah, you know the the fate of the other two. Mm. Um, 
but sticking to the single objective of accessing the site safely. Yeah. Um, and and <clears throat> you know so that to the degree that we could drill and blast and and mm -hmm. do all of that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's only so quickly you can drill. It's only so quickly you can blast. remove the material. Yeah. Only so quickly you can ground support it. Yeah. Um, we, you know, the media um, had certainly swelled by that then. Stage, yeah. Um, in the first twenty four to forty eight hours, we had the AWU, so Paul Howes, mm -hmm. uh, and then I think on day two, Bill Shorten rocked up, and there's mm -hmm. a whole another mm -hmm. conversation mm -hmm. in that space. But so lots of stakeholders, um, you know, people, media. So mm -hmm. that pressure to come mm -hmm. to your question. Certainly, we were aware of you know families wanting to know, community mm. wanting to know, mm. media thirsty as anything for for news. Mm. Um, stakeholders like the union were there, um, but you know we we and and the the beauty was the team and its focus and collegiate approach to getting the tasks done. Mm. You know, making sure the equipment you know was was working. You know. Mm feeding people off yeah. shift you know the whole you know it, it was uh it it seemed as it had just come together yeah um you know so we we had some of the the office ladies you know set up a barbecue yeah to feed the offcoming you know rescue guys yeah and, you know like that wasn't in our manual no no but it just sort of happened and that was mm. sort of self-evident and we, we had a room where the guys could have a chat afterwards. Yeah. We, we, that wasn't in our manual. Mm. You know, our little in-personal debriefing room. Yeah. Um, Which is know, so important. Yeah. You know, on the wall in the uh, control room, we were writing down as we would get the, you know, the phone calls from underground. Mm. So rather than taking a call with everyone else in the room who couldn't hear what was going on, mm. as that person was taking the call, they'd write it down. Yeah. So everyone could see what was going up on the wall. Yeah. Um, so you didn't have to remember it. You didn't have to tell it. Again. Everyone exactly, yeah. and yeah. the oncoming shift. So, yeah. and that wasn't in our manual either. Yeah. You know, so it is so important. Though. You know, the adaptiveness of that team. I can't stress that. You know, that mm. that single-minded focus. Uh, um, uh, you know, really, I think was was a key difference between what you know what mm. what it could have been. Mm. Uh, and then having that plan, you know, laid out that that we were going to you know access the site safely. Yeah. Um, it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah, but I remember. Um, I'm just trying to think. Um, so there was a, a point in time where Rex, our safety officer, mm. made the comment. You know, this is in sort of day four or five. Mm. Um, so what would that be? Saturday or Sunday? And he said what we should have actually thought of, but hadn't. And he said, you know, if we keep blasting this tunnel. Mm. To where the guys were known last, mm. um, and this new tunnel's got to break into the old tunnel, yeah, and they're alive, mm. you know, they're not probably going to be with that last blast, yeah, you know, um, was essentially the the, the comment, mm. um, and that that caused us, you know, halfway through mining this tunnel mm. to contemplate that okay, we've got halfway there, but that's um, you know, That's the easy part. Yeah. So, you know, luckily we just didn't blindly, you know, so you need people to challenge. And check in, yeah. Yeah, you know, challenge the plan. Yeah. And feel safe in that environment to challenge it mm. and not be seen as, 
you know, negative or disrespectful mm. or not obeying authority or what mm. have you. Mm. Uh, so at that point, we said, yeah, so we stopped mm -hmm. uh, and we got a drill to drill a, um, a long hole, yeah. uh, four-inch hole, to then try and put microphone mm. um, and infrared yeah. into where, where they last were. Now, we actually did put infrared uh, on this remote loader. Yeah. Um, but it was already in the high 20s underground. Okay. Yep. So it didn't do much and of course didn't see through the rock. Yeah. So we had pause to, to drill these probe holes yep. to see if we could hear yeah. um, or see anything. And so there's no contact you'd had at that stage. So, this, so no, so this mm. is, so we're into day five yep. by now, yep. which uh, was the Sunday. Mm. Um, and as the story goes, mm. um, a couple of guys, so, you know, I think it was the shift foreman mm -hmm. and the underground manager, um, during one part of this drilling when it was quiet, uh, were around the corner, you know, with the drive 40 metres away. Mm -hmm. And as the story goes, um, they thought they heard something. Mm. And um, fact or fiction, the, the story goes as they heard Kenny Rogers singing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they yelled out and... and that was because they, they, apparently they didn't know any other song. Each of them only knew that song. So we'll come to, yeah, their choice of music, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, um, so contact was made. Yeah. Um, you know, above dripping water and, mm -hmm. um, you know, fortunately it was quiet. You know, we weren't drilling, we weren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, and I still remember that call. Yeah. I think it was on the Sunday afternoon. From Pat mm. and um, when he, whatever the words were, I said, well, you better get up here mm. and tell us. Yeah. I don't know. Why, where, why was that? Important well, I don't know whether I wanted to see him tell me mm. or whether he thought he was imagining. Mm. Um, I just wanted to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Um, because if we... I think we roll forward to Sago Mine, West Virginia. Um, a similar report had come through from um, from their underground team, underground mines rescue team, that they found them. And that was, um, unfortunately, presumed that they were all alive when, in fact, I think 11 out of the 12 had passed. So there's only one survivor. That that sparked then a notification of families and, and mm. the rest is sort of history that they were told mm. and then had to be told again later on, unfortunately, mm. they were deceased. Mm. Was is was that validation for you, was that important for any other reason than your own understanding well, of the situation? Well, I think the team needed to... They needed to hear it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on the... Unfortunately... Uh, Papal and Salty. Yep. Everyone's got a nickname in Tessie. <laughs> Steve yep. Saltmarsh was the foreman. So they, oh, yeah. from memory, they were the two that, so there were two of them that yep. heard. Um, and because clearly if that was the case, this is Sunday, so by mm. then a lot of the media had gone home. Yep. You know. Thinking that it's, it's over. It's over. Mm. Um, Bill Shorten had gone, gone home. Gone home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we were still rescuing people mm. focus but, but but most people would you know switched to, off to almost be blinded sort of given up yeah um 
So, you know, finding the two guys live after five That's most people outside of yeah, your room. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. all of those sort of peripheral, you know, but bit important stakeholders mm. are sort of disbanded. Um, so clearly, you know, that, you know, I remember thinking, you know, what was hard has just got even harder. Yeah. Um, and that, and it was at that point uh, that... You know the whole thing changed, mm. like in in a in a split second. So, mm-hmm. um, you know Rex in I think was Rex was tasked to go and tell the families. You know before okay. the media. So you wanted to we shut down the site, which to the, the degree yeah. no one left site, no word out. Okay. And yeah. again, another thing that we learned is you know, and it'd be worse now. You know, this is now thirteen years ago. But social media, you know, if if guys wanted to communicate to the outside world. Mm. You know, don't think you you can stop that. No. You know, you, you even if you've got control of your site switchboard, yeah. mobile phones now, all sorts of ways of communicating. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were in town, so it's not like we were in the middle of WA. So, yeah. what we said to the guys from fairly early on is, um, you know, we we don't want you to be talking to the media or mm-hmm. or, or what have you, but we can, we know we can't stop you. Mm-hmm. But we just appeal to them mm-hmm. um, as if you know uh, their families were involved exactly to yeah. try and treat you know the guys that are missing with respect and their families with respect so that we can let the families know um, you know first that was a priority mm-hmm. not not to play to a media announcement first mm-hmm. and you know the guys generally respected that you know we were trying to do a job you know yeah. we were all trying to do the right thing um and have that respect for the family so mm. yeah rex was dispatched um inspector reynolds so the the whole um you know the one-liner um changed from accessing the site safely which was still paramount mm. but it was now having found them alive keep them alive keep them alive Amazing. And and so, you know that then we we drilled a, a hole right to where they were, established you know a phone line, mm-hmm. um, video camera, mm-hmm. um, could get um, food, and there's a whole story behind someone that hasn't eaten for five days, yeah, you know sustagen and and the whole thing. But that's when we made a whole heap of phone calls. So that's when okay. we. Um, so you hadn't had those arrangements or... or well, we didn't know that yeah. they were alive. And yeah. We hadn't planned. Mm. Now, I look back, we hadn't gone the next step of being ready on the assumption that we mm. would find them alive. Yes, yeah. Even though that was the objective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a bit of a scramble. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, for instance, on the Monday morning... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having found them alive, uh, Carmel, so my wife, mm. grabbing a book, mm-hmm. and she said, "You need to get this guy." And it was uh, the book on Stuart Diver. Yeah, Paul um, Featherstone. Yeah, which was you know the threadbow thing, and mm. she said, "You need to get this guy," which is Paul Featherstone. Yeah. Uh, and so when I got to to you know the office on that morning, I just said to one of the guys, "I said, get this guy." <laughs> I just said, yeah. just go get him. Go get him. Wherever he is, <laughs> yeah. get him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and he was part of what's called the SCAT team yep. in New South Wales. So he came yep. with Paul, came with a doctor from the North Shore Hospital for memory, mm-hmm. came with some paramedics, 
um, so that was one call um, we um, uh, over the course of the next day mm. if we hadn't by then we got the New South Wales Southern Mines Rescue okay guys in yep. um, we got New South Wales fire guys yep. down mm-hmm. um, we um, so that from memory and we we did a Cessna yeah you know pick up charter from from where they were so that Monday night mm. um, first of all you know we started to say okay well now how are we gonna do this last part of the tunnel yeah uh, and again a whole bunch of options yeah um, and I always remember that Monday night you know sitting around the, the table there mm. was um, I think three or four hundred years of rescue mm-hmm. experience yeah amazing you know it was and you know so new south wales mines rescue and yeah. police ambulance you know, new south wales um and and i you know that was like a great comfort yeah um but again a lot of you know and no hesitation to get as much not you don't want to go overboard no but, but some people leave it too late yeah and we said well this is now like a, this is now and of course by the monday morning you know the media were back yeah tenfold tenfold mm. That concludes episode five of Crisis Talks. In episode six, we talk about the race against time to rescue the two trapped miners, whilst at the same time managing a circus above ground. We talk about Matt's experiences dealing with the media, the role Bill Shorten had to play, and the interesting engagement of Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters based on a mistake that Matt made with the media. We look at the life and death decisions he and the team had to make and how a simple mistake at the very last point of the rescue could have cost the two miners their lives. We finished reflecting on the emotional toll the rescue had on Matt, the mine and the wider community, especially given the loss of Larry Knight.